Strategic Hot Box with Dr. Brandy Love Stankovic. Discussing leadership, business, and how to take control of your life and achieve greatness. It's time to kick some ass. Hey, it's your girl, Dr. Brandy Stankovic, host of the Strategic Hot Box and Chief Strategy Officer for C Solutions Group. There are so many unspoken topics in diversity, equity, and inclusion. One specifically that we're gonna talk about today is the N-word. You will never even hear me speak that word, and I am comfortable saying it even today. And today we're gonna to talk about why, what it means to the people in the room, what value it holds. We're also gonna talk about, at times, how exclusion can be unintentional, how creating affinity with one group can unintentionally exclude another. Let's uncover things like authenticity. We often ask for it, but only when the situation allows. And our unconscious bias can cause judgment without discretion. And in being our true selves, mistakes may be targeted and we become a victim of cancel culture. And when do we give people the opportunity to apologize, learn, and change? Is there a line of no going back? Or should we shift to a culture of accountability? Let's find out. I am sick to death of men taking, getting a pass and saying boys will be boys and not being able to have the self-control that God gave a dog looking at a woman that chooses to show her beauty, a beauty that God put on her men not being able to see her as anything but an object that they can rub against. I'm teaching her. <clears throat> you okay. Her body is hers. It's And, you know, while I grew up <clears throat> being taught, cover it up, put bigger pants on. I, I didn't grow up as a skinny girl. I just mm -hmm. didn't. I have always had a little plump in the back. And, the hard part balance on that, that note is making sure that I know when to step aside to allow everyone that wants to be, needs to be, has voice to be there. And right. so it's, it is a balance on, on all of the realms, but we all do. We're it's, we've had the conversation. I get it now. Renee, you can't do that. You, you are a leader. You must be better. Just what we're trying to do with everybody else. Expose it. Deal with it. Talk about it understand why you're thinking that and then you have you can replace it with a new thought right and any type of exclusion creates pain and hardship it doesn't matter what kind of exclusion it is so whether it's because it belongs to you or not um, and I completely understand the where you're coming from but any kind of exclusion no matter what it is creates boundaries and hardship We're good friends. Anybody that reads these doesn't have to be the one that is the first responder on it. And uh, I want to go into this saying that I intentionally picked topics that were diverse. I intentionally picked different demographics to hit. And I intentionally used language in order to incite conversation. Or why? She's coming. <laughs> uh, look at my feet on real quick. Well, she used incite <laughs> purposely, right? <laughs> Let's go. All right. A beautiful-bodied woman attends a gala event in a revealing dress and red lipstick. 
She is subsequently hit on and lightly molested all night. Was she asking for it? Should she tone down her look to fit in? Mm. Yes. Oh. No, you go. You go first. You go first. What if she just dropped two in pants and all her life she hit and tonight is her night and she is feeling herself. Did she deserve sick to death of men taking, getting a pass and saying boys will be boys and not being able to have the self-control that God gave a dog looking at a woman that chooses to show her beauty a beauty that God put on her and men not being able to see her as anything but an object that they can rub against I am sick unto death about men getting that pass and it needs to end because that person could very well be my daughter. I had to once, during a credit union convention, stop a board member from literally trying to kiss a member of the young professionals group I was mentoring. He was drunker than a skunk. And I know that his excuse will be, it's just because I was drunk, because I just gave the excuse. I know, hey, didn't mind. And the worst part of it was his wife was there with him. Mm-hmm. And she did nothing to stop him. Is it I the am, wife's is it the wife's job? It is the that? man's responsibility to have enough self-control and say that is not a sexual object. That is not just a soft place for you to put something of yours in. That is a human being designed in the image of God. If you're not willing to say, if you're not willing to respect her like that, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you get paid, I don't care how big your squares in the old chart, you need to go into a cage and get control of yourself or have somebody tell you that you should. I'm sick to death of men like that doing things like that. I have an 11 year old and um, I dropped her off at a friend's house last week and you know, anymore, there is no bottom to shirts. <laughs> Just our pop tops. Yes. They don't make them anymore. Yes. And, you know, she. We had bought some stuff and we ordered it online. And I didn't see her try this on before she tri- tried it on and tried me. And so she got out of the car and I said, Oh! What? It? And I had to catch myself because I'm teaching her. <clears throat> Okay. Her body is hers, and it's beautiful. And you know, while I grew up being taught, cover it up, put bigger pants on. I I didn't grow up as a skinny girl. I just Mm -hmm. didn't. I have always had a little plump in the back, and you know, my parents. I grew up very religious, and it was not. It was very you know, cover it up and hide it, and or people will think you're asking. Or people will think. What about the guy in church who can't keep his hand? God damn, I'm sorry, hands to himself. Can't keep his eyes to himself. That's not her problem. That's his problem. But how do you protect her? 
And I have a lot of guns. But, you know, it, it was true. having to stop myself and say, You look beautiful. Have a good time. Don't let nobody talk to you crazy. Don't talk to nobody crazy. You know what I mean? Like, but that's what it is. That's the education behind it. We In education, we deal with this on the daily because of dress codes mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, girls can't wear open midriff. Girls can't wear spaghetti straps. Girls can't wear shorts that are, you know, below their, higher than their thumbs, you know, when they put their hands down to their side. But what do the boys can't do, exactly. right? I mean, exactly. the boys can wear anything. Exactly. So uh, there's a lot of talk in education about, you know, we are destroying the female image when we do this. On the other hand, as an educator, it is also a distraction. And so I am torn in that conversation because unfortunately teenage boys lead their lives with one thing. Absolutely. Um, and so educating the girls about not allowing that, but also at that age, teenage <coughs> girls love the attention. Exactly. Right? So how do you find a balance? It's a hard balance. In this. It's a hard balance. And, and I'm literally learning as I, I have yeah. no idea. I don't because have an answer, I'm, and I'm ahead of school. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm trying a whole new playbook because yeah. I don't want to use my parents. Right. I love them. Yeah. And they did a great job with us. But I want to try something different. Right. But, it, like, it's such a hard balance. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's my job. You know, exactly. I have three boys, and I'll be damned if they don't see what Andy's talking about in young ladies, mm -hmm. their value opposed to what they're wearing. Like, right. that's my job. I think that's my responsibility to bring them up, to see the true meaning and value in a young lady. Right. So I take personal responsibility in it. Because of your feelings, because of your vulnerability in your daughter, it's my responsibility to make my son not be that person. Absolutely. And, and hopefully, you know, my, my daughters are 18, almost 18, almost 17. And I want, when they do... I want them to know why they're dressing the way they're dressing. I want them to understand why they're putting out into the world. I want them to understand, you know, what need is that satisfying? Mm -hmm. um, but then also, you know, not to have anyone disrespect them, and also have not them disrespect themselves mm -hmm. and think that I have to show more of my belly mm -hmm. or my butt or my legs or whatever to get attention. I'm going, what kind of attention do you want? What what need is that fulfilling? And I wish I, I, I don't have the answers to that just yet. I'm just trying to hold on for dear life right now because in two years, they're probably going to, they're going to go out into the world. They're the arrows I've shot out into the world for better or for worse. And I may not have put enough feathers on them, but by God, I'm going to try and shoot them as straight as I can. Yeah. It's a hard balance. It is a hard and very real balance. Yeah. Well, I, just want, I just want to throw in there that it's hikers too. It happens to hikers too. It's not the revealing clothing of lipstick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens to every single woman, no matter what she's wearing. Yeah. At yeah. any time of yeah. life, in any she setting. She's gonna walk in there with army fatigues. I think it, that's 100% it, and it's almost like creating a boundary for it. I was uh, bit by a board member at a strategic planning uh, event. Did once. you just say bit? <laughs> like bit. Like physically bit? Like, like teeth on bit you. Bit the back of my, yeah. Oh. And, it, it was a social event after the, the board planning, and they the board chair and everybody on the board handled it. They handled it. It happened to be in the uh, service industry, the, the servicemen industry, 
minimum. And, uh, and so they, there was rank and things, and they just they handled it. So I was appreciative way they handled it. But how do we get there? And I, I never dress revealing, especially in a professional setting, ever. And yet, do I, am I asking for that? Like you said, in the fact of, it's always, it doesn't matter the, the realm. And so some of the strategies that we're covering up and things, but then also valuing ourselves. And then also this, it's, it's such a hard balance. But then, by the way, wanting to feel attractive from yeah. time to time. Yeah. Wanting to feel desired without... Well, and that's the, that's the crux of it. I mean, and to your point, the sad thing is it happens. Like teenagers, that's one thing we need to teach them, we need to educate them. But the saddest thing to me was when I read um, that this was happening at credit union conferences. Yes. And what you just said earlier about the you know GAC and the crashers, it's like I can. It wasn't a GAC. I'll just oh, it was. It was at a different. It was at a different conference or convention. So I'll just but, leave it that. But it has happened. Oh, 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 oh I yes, it has. So yes, it has. I mean, said. <laughs> I'm certain. So I mean, I think it's so sad that women, even in our industry, feel like they go to work, they go to events, and they are preyed upon that. I mean, one thing is consensual, you know, but what we're talking about is certainly not. And it's it's this attitude that men have that they see a woman and they feel like it's they feel okay. Entitled. Yeah, they do. And it goes back to the value of women. And so I'll, I'll full circle this for you, Brandy. When you feel like you can't do diversity work anymore, you absolutely are entitled. You're a woman. You know, you shouldn't feel like you can't do diversity work anymore because you're not a person of color. The hard balance on that, that note is making sure that I know when to step aside to allow everyone that wants to be, needs to be, has a voice to be there. And right. so it's, it is a balance on, on all of the realms. But we all do. We're going to dig in. So that's perfect. Pass but, but the I, 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 I needed to say this. Please. I'm not going to sit here and not be transparent. I would be that chick taking a photo of the lady and saying, can you believe this? Can you believe this? This is how she came. Do you see it? You see, I've got the picture. I've done it. Does that? It doesn't make me bad, but how I grew up, you don't dress like that. And it's not about are you asking for it. It's where's the respect for yourself. And it's back to what Anna right. says. What need are you trying to fill? But I absolutely love. I would have never thought about it the way that you explained it. She just lost 200 pounds. She's proud of herself. She's never been able to wear this type of clothing. When I went from a size 2 to a size 12, my world got opened up. Like, oh, that's different. And so now I'm never going to be the same. Right? And I think that I, I challenge you respectfully in the fact that I think that perpetuates the problem. No, no, I just said I'll never be the same. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like it's, we've had the conversation. I get it now. Renee, you can't do that. You, you are a leader. You must be better. Just what we're trying to do with everybody else. Expose it. Deal with it. Talk about it. Understand why you're thinking that. And then you, have, you can replace it with a new thought. Right. And, and he's giving me that new thought. Deja's giving me that new thought. So with that new thought, and then what Cindy's saying about the school, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, right. Um, and uh, an African uh, man that I uh, do work with, he said that the reason why 
Afri in Africa, they, they school the boys from the girls because they don't want any distractions. Well, that's why there are private girls' schools and private boys' schools, and people choose to send their kids to those yeah. for that reason, because they don't want... You know, I don't know if you remember growing up, but historically, girls always um, have had more trouble learning in the math and science realm. Oh, yeah. Up. And it's not because they can't do it, but it's because at those ages when it becomes important, and it's generally around fourth grade where it goes the wrong way, boys at that age are so much louder so their voices are heard more, and girls at that age just learn to be quiet, which is really sad. So, you know. There's a lot of ingrained, yeah. It's, it's a I lot just, of I think that the biggest thing is I, the, that we need to support one another, and I think women's, sometimes the biggest competition for women, or the biggest haters, the biggest whatever, are other women. Yes. And I think that we have to bond together, and as well as... Uh, but there's, but there's, I have to push back on that, Brandy. There's sometimes when stuff is just inappropriate. You cannot come to somebody's wedding, look, a Kojic wedding, and have, have the back out is all the way down here. There's nothing but straps, and you got boobs that are as big as I don't know what because you had them inserted. So it's like you, there's what I think there's a time and a place for it. Exactly, exactly. And I will talk about the times that I wear the strip clothes, so. <laughs> well, that's all I had to wear to that wedding. <laughs> so. Not judging. Not judging. Whatever. <laughs> all right, Cindy. All right. Megan Rapino was recently attacked due to a 2011 tweet. This was the tweet. Uh, at somebody, you look Asian with those closed eyes. Well, how did I pick this one? <laughs> Do we have a culture of growth and learning or a culture of persecution? Have the woke population become too sensitive? Are we willing to forgive past behavior if change occurs? So she makes a comment years ago. Somebody finds it deep into her Twitter. She has since evolved and learned and yet is persecuted for something prior. Good, bad, right thing to do. I mean, you hope people learn and grow, right? And so, uh, but the other thing is we are a cumulative effect of our every action. So it happened. And are you consciously doing something to make sure that you have educated yourself now so that will never happen again? Um, to me, that's that's a win. If you can, if you can say that you have not only educated yourself but others, that so that something ridiculous like that doesn't happen. But can you share that in 140 characters? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Is so, that any different than um, a white man in college being in blackface? And then since. Growing or learning or something. And I wouldn't say growing or learning. I would say, is it any different? Well, I think that that's that's the key: is the growth, learning, and how can you how do you judge that, or is a behavior so bad that we never let that person have retribution, we never let that person have a forgiveness? Outrage is easy. Outrage is a is a it's a one note symphony. It it gets clicks. It gets eyeballs. The redemptive story is much more difficult to tell. And I think if we are truly committed to letting people evolve, 
then I think we need to say, okay, this was where you were. Tell me how you've grown. What shaped you? Because what you what you did is not necessarily always who you are. We have this mentality, I think, that we think that by the age of 18, you need to know what you want to do with your life. What do you want to be when you grow up? We ask kids about that even when they're verbal. Instead of asking them the question, what problems do you want to solve as you grow? That's the better question. Because we're going to evolve. Yes, get outraged. Get outraged by the bad thing that you did. You should be outraged because we should be able to look, call ugliness out for what it is. But we should also, in the same breath, be able to say, tell me how you've grown. Let me lean in, put all my biases to the side, and then show me how you've grown. Show me the evidence. Show me the fruit of your repentance. But who, but who are we to demand that of anybody? But not demanding. But say, but, but just, just, just educate me. Okay. Show me where your journey has been. Not because I'm judging Jerry, but because I am a sinner broken like you. I'm just, a, I'm just a one beggar to mm-hmm. want to talk to another beggar trying to find out where the, net, where the bread is. Got it. If we come in with that, I think that's where healing happens. And that is not sexy, and that is not tweetable, and that is not shareable, mm-hmm. and it is messy and long, and people will get bored halfway through it. But the people will, that will care... We'll want to know what the narrative is. Is there a yeah. different standard for people that are famous, though? Right, Megan Rapinoe. Yeah. How she should have handled this. How is she? Fam- how is she okay. famous? For, uh, who is this person? Yeah. She's a soccer player. player. Okay. So, so and she has a public voice. She's a public voice. So you know, should they publicly own their mistakes? Absolutely. And then say like. And this is what I'm doing yes. to be a better person. And I think yeah. that's a really point you made initially. Is that it's, it, it starts with accountability, yeah. and then show the growth, represent the growth, right. have the conversations that you're describing, yeah. and that that's key. And, we, and with her having the platform exactly. that she has, right. it can and, and the followers or however you want to, it could make a change. It, mm-hmm. it could make a change yeah. because of the amount of eyes that will be on said topic. Right. And there used to be. Some We used to, there's so much in language that we used to say yeah. that we can't say now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to hear people say, the N-word. I love that word, but I love the N-I-G-G-A-H version of that word. Love it. It's one of my favorite words. I love to use it. Do you love it when other people say it? You can't say that. You can't say it. Exactly. That's a, because you won't say a h. Right. You'd say e r, and I'm looking at you crazy. Right. So, but that's, you know, we there are some there are certain things that we used to say. If someone called us colored now, I, I had a conversation with um, um, a young man. He's not a young man, but uh, an older gentleman, and he does not like being called African American. I don't like being called black. Mm-hmm. So we agree to disagree. Right. It's okay. So, and, you know, and he under, and he and his and his reason was he goes I've never been after <laughs> okay got it okay so I have the perfect follow up on that <laughs> Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder NBA basketball players thank you <laughs> both got ejected for the first time in their careers during a basketball game this season Dennis Schroeder used the N word Oh, wow. In the confrontation, because I'm not using the other word, uh, in the confrontation with Irving during the game, Schroeder meant and used the term in more of a bro fashion. So if you saw the game, they they interact, they scuffled, got each other's face, got all huffy, and then push. Kyrie makes some comment. Schroeder's like, "Come on." Yeah. Is is you say guy's name is Dennis? Dennis. Dennis so yeah. does, did Dennis grow up? 
around black people and he's comfortable. Dennis, if he's from Germany, Dennis mm -hmm. is German. So he That's actually not, that didn't answer the question. No, that, so let me finish the sentence. So in the fact that he did not grow up around the same culture of the United States in using the word freely, it, it, it's ah. not the same. So that is a learned behavior in in culturation. No, but what my point is, is that there 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 are white people who identify as black people. That's my that's what I'm saying. Oh, they're so, both black. They're both black. Oh, that really. And confused. I remember the incident. <laughs> and, and you know. If they're both with black, what's the problem? So Kyrie said later, the N-word is derogatory racial slur. It will never be a term of endearment, never be reclaimed, never be flipped, and never forget it's foul in the true history. Throw that N-word out the window, right alongside all of those racist words that are used to describe by people. Yeah. He's, not so he's people. young and woke. Kyrie? Yes, he, he is, but you know, and I love basketball, it's one of my favorite sports. Kyrie Irving went to Duke. Oh. So his experiences, uh, Dennis Schroeder, I, I can't remember what school he went to, but not being there, I'm not on the court obviously, but that was, he used it in such a locker room sense of brotherhood. Kyrie's experience is absolutely different. So he could not hear it, how he could not identify oh, with the educated? way that, He's, yeah, okay. I, I would say that he is. Okay. Um, but I can, I truly see the sense and how he took that opposed to how Dennis gave it. He gave it from a locker room competitive sense, and this panel might disagree with just using it, period. But I understand where he came from with using it. Sure. And yeah. then how Kyrie took it. How he received it. Because he. There's no doubt in my mind that he had an experience maybe at Duke being a minority. Yeah. And, oh, and it came and, and from a negative right. way. But we right. don't necessarily want to fill fill in the gaps in some ways for them specifically, but thinking about the word in general or other words in general that we that it's okay for me to say but not okay for somebody else to say because I fit into a certain mold and you don't. Isn't that a creating exclusion? It, it, it happens. I, I mean, I'll tell you this. I think... This conversation is so powerful because I think we're talking about journeys. You know, we're all in journeys. And you used the word woke, or woke earlier. And I think the danger um, that I, I hope in the future as a society we address as we all get in this journey is we need to build up on each other and learn from each other. I mean, as a, as a Latino, I wouldn't, even if it was another Latino, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want them calling me a speck, for example. I, I just wouldn't want that, I mean, on a personal level. But the way that I'd address that is I would tell that person, hey, I don't appreciate that, that word. And, you know, I'm assuming that would be the end of that and we'd move forward. But I think the danger of the work, the woke culture, in my opinion, is that we do need to create allies. I think. Having allies is so important, and if we don't give an opportunity of someone to genuinely learn and make up for their mistakes, we're going to be in trouble because there's nobody, I mean, I certainly have done things in college and when I was younger that I regret doing, and I, I, I've learned better, and I think it's important to give people that opportunity. In the same vein, I think it's really important for people like you and, and Andy to be at the table and to to help you know other 
white people understand um, the the struggles and the differences of other ethnic minorities, as, as you've beautifully articulated today. So I think giving each other room to grow and learn is extremely important. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And I think that it's also about at what point does it need to be socially accepted and we all make a decision to change even if it's not comfortable, right? Meaning the fact of, like, let's collectively destroy the word spit. Let's collectively say that's no longer okay. It doesn't matter if it used to be in literature. It doesn't matter if it used to be common. The, you know, collective believe it's time. Or is it all individual all the time? And that's where it becomes really difficult, that's where it becomes very confusing for those that aren't in the subculture, whatever that is, to when, when do you call someone black, when do you call someone African American, as you shared, because I, I had a similar friend that uh, is from Jamaica, like, that doesn't, that isn't me, and so it's, then, but, but it's hard to know, right, and, and if it's so individual, how do we collectively grow with language. Well, how do you guys feel about being called white? Some of you guys are Irish, some of you guys are from Germany, some of you guys are from all these different places, England, all that stuff. So, do you guys feel any different? I think the only thing that comes typically when I'm called white is that I'm being I'm, I'm being excluded. So, the, that's the only time it happens where someone will call me white. I don't have the same experience with, with everyone in the room and the fact of being called or called out for that. But if it is used, it's typically because I'm being called out versus being described as white. Yeah, I've personally never had a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, and that's again, that's not illustrative of anybody else's experience. Just for me specifically, um, that's not really a good thing. What about cracker? Uh, I like the barrels in which they come, and the restaurant <laughs> that does that humor to deflect. Um, never been called it before. Really? Nope. Never have been. Okay. And that's, for whatever reason, I've never been called. Now, have people probably said about me behind my back? Probably. That's... But, but I've, I have never... See, this is, where, this is where my ignorance... My ignorance is actually slamming me in the face right now. I have never once been called a derogatory term based on my race. No. I've never had to worry about other people using language to delegitimize me. At least not to the extent, that the extent to which that that minorities have. I don't have that experience. I don't have the experience of being, being, being made to feel little and small based just on based on just my ethnicity. When I was growing up, yeah, I memorized Raiders because I was a nerd. I was a geek. I was everything. I mean, I was a social misfit. Probably still am. But to the extent to which someone has tried to take away my power or my legitimacy by saying, well, you're white, doesn't I don't, I don't have that, that soft spot. I don't have that wound. Well, that's it. Because that, that's the thing. And so there isn't an insecurity because of it, right? right? So somebody could call me white and there isn't insecurity. It's not like there's power in that, but it's just, there's no insecurity in it. Yes. Now, if someone had called me a derogatory female term, mm -hmm. right, slut or something to that effect, that would hurt my feelings because that there's insecurity there. Yeah, I hate when I get called that. You know, <laughs> called slut. <laughs> <That is> <laughs> <laughs> but the same is true. Sometimes... Yeah. When you say the N word, I, I think it has been used against a group of people in a derogatory way. And we, as, I mean, we just, we have learned to take our pain 
can turn it into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. If you think about soul food, soul food comes from the scraps that they came, you know, and they turn it into something beautiful to feed our soul. So you take the inward that was constantly thrown at slaves and every person as a derogatory term, and now you go, Mom. Yes. Because Got you. Man. I got you. Took it and turned it into something beautiful. And it's ours. That's ours. You can't say that. You can't say that. Because that's that's us. They didn't say that against your people. That was my people that was hurt. But we're going to take that hurt now and watch us turn that into unity. Granted, you know, it's... it's somewhat of a derogatory term that people, but I think that's where sometimes people go I'm probably still going to use it because when I say it, it's a term of endearment which is why he was saying no, like, when Dennis yeah. said it it was like come on like, come right. on yeah. you know what I mean and does that ultimately though create exclusion and keep barriers up that we're why should to I why, care that's, but that's why what I'm saying like sometimes as a culture Care That's about us. creating barriers and breaking down exclusions. We have been beaten and abused and over and over and over and over and over again. Why should I care if it hurts your feelings? It does, it, but it doesn't hurt my feelings. It's about not allowing there something a movement of inclusion to become a movement because we're keeping it exclusive. Exclusionary. See, that's why she is. That's why it. You know, her. Did you just see the passion that she said that outside of this circle, she's gonna be deemed as the angry black? Yes. Yeah. And I think we talked earlier about melting pots and the. Remind me to talk about the salad bowl. What's that? Remind me to talk about the salad bowl. I was. That's where I was gonna go. Okay. That's where we're going. So we're, we're we're there. It's it's less for me. It's a it's not about homogeneity. It's not about making everybody one thing. It is about you know the salad that kind of you know, brings out the the, the compliments everybody is that we are all you know parts of an intricate machine of society and if there does need to be some some exclusion some some differentiation there that, that there are differences there and what kind of opportunities can happen when we see those and we reflect those and say yes there is a there are barriers and there are places that I cannot go I am not allowed to go and I should not go because I don't have that experience but there are places also in me and in my machinery that desperately needs yours that's the only way that I can work when seeing that my broken places match up with yours that's where that's where I think the beauty of it comes and that's at least where I'm thinking when when it's when it's uh, well why don't you include us it's almost like but why though? Like that's a privileged statement to make, that you feel, that you feel entitled, that you must be included in something. That individuals want to start using the term. No, that you feel that it's a requirement that you're included. Like I don't. I, so, but no, 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 I'm not saying you. I'm just saying that I don't want to use the word. I don't like the word, and it isn't part of my culture to to partake in that. In the part of this is more of. When are we going to create a boundary where that that uh, rules of engagement for everyone? Right. And that's not saying that you have to include white people in the small circle that that it feels passionate about that word. I'm saying that when are we creating a boundary that people know this is how I'm supposed to act? Any type of exclusion 
creates pain and hardship. It doesn't matter what kind of exclusion it is. So whether it's because it belongs to you or not, um, and I completely understand the where you're coming from, but any kind of exclusion, no matter what it is, creates boundaries and hardship. But good fences make good neighbors. Oh, that's perfect because I, I was, you know, we, we have this thing that I understand that if you get it, if you get it, we have a term that says, I'm invite you. You can come no, to the bar. We know that you get it. We know that there's an ally in you. And there's somebody that gets it and understands it. You can come over. Yeah. And it it falls into the endearment of what we're talking about. I'm very selective about who I do dinner with. I could do professional dinners all day long, 24-7. I'm very selective about who comes to my house. Absolutely. Yes. Very Absolutely. Selective. The energy that yes. walks in my door Absolutely. has got to be a certain way. Yep. It's black, white, Chinese, it yeah, doesn't matter what it is, yeah. who it is. Yeah. I'm very selective about <laughs> my house has been blessed. The olive oil has been the, the whole night, sage, all of that. Because <laughs> I am very, I, I am very particular because it's my space and and I need to feel safe and not everybody is allowed. I, I am a very open and honest person. I'm a, uh, I love people. Again, the possibility of people serving other people passionately. Love all of that. But when I'm in my domain, I'm no longer a public figure. I am I am a daughter. I am, I am uh, a friend. I am a stepmom. I'm all those things that as a I'm a human being, I am not a poster child. I'm, I'm none of that. And so um, when you get invited to the house, mm -hmm. you've arrived. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and, and, and I think that's also kind of, that's the way we naturally live life. There's, there are different levels of intimacy. Right. So if, we allow, if we accept the fact that I will, I'm, going, I'm going to do things with my wife and doing it with anybody else in this room here, right. okay? Right. If, I, if we accept that, then why can't we say if one person's allowed to have those boundaries, then why not a group? Why not a group of people have that le that different levels of intimacy? What's so dangerous about that? I don't need to be in every single space out there. There are some places I need to be excluded, and that's okay, because there's different levels of intimacy there. And that's I, I just I, like I wish that. we would embrace that more. Um, I, I just I want to point out really quickly though, when Deja invites me to her cookouts, she tells me a different time than the rest of the friends <laughs> because she wants you to get there when everybody comes. Yeah. I don't want you the first one there because yeah. I'm not dressed. It's starting at eight, and then my ass shows up at eight. Turns out she meant nine. You're gonna be helping. But I can exactly, exactly. If you show up on time, you're gonna be chopping vegetables. I get the opposite. People tell me a half an hour before because I'm always late. I'm always on island time. I believe that it's a time for us to reinvent and represent. And when crisis happens. We have an opportunity either to stay stagnant, to stay still, or we have the opportunity to progress. Here it is. It's time for your top three kick ass and things that you can start doing differently today. Number one, challenge and change unconscious bias. Expose it, deal with it, talk about it, understand it, and then change it. Utilize online resources, hire a facilitator. Number two, fight unintentional exclusion. You can maintain your culture and beliefs, anything that you grew up with, 
what's your family and your traditions. You can maintain all of that while inviting allies and supporters to the table. In our journey through DEI, there will be moments of awkwardness and growth and discomfort in the unknown. It's time to bring your allies to the table. Number three, practice grace in change. People are gonna grow, they're gonna change, they're gonna learn. Give them a chance. Give them the grace to accept the past behavior and demonstrate change, and demonstrate change for the better. Forgive, forget, go ahead. Right now, go ahead, get your phone out. Call somebody and tell them you forgive them. There's your top three kick-ass. Coming up on Dissecting Diversity. But as a female, as a lesbian, as a whatever, we're all the people who are living the double lives to support the straight world I was fighting battles where my counterparts were being promoted and getting the opportunities that I knew I was qualified just, just as well for. And so what did I do? I took those words and I started putting these suits on because it was giving me a slight advantage of walking into a room and being recognized by what I was wearing. That's code switching. So I, I agree, and I remember last year after George Floyd's murder, everyone and anyone and everyone came out and made statements, and I'm like, my goodness, you'd think these are the original abolitionists, when their actions were not there, in my opinion. But the more that I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know, at least we're having the conversation. And if, but if we don't push the rules, if we don't bend them, then we can't change them. You know, if it's law is law is law forever, then none of us would vote, and none of us, you know, we have to push and bend and push, and it takes rebels to do that. That is the accountability check that social media and yeah. video phones and everything else like that has now provided a vehicle for. Learn, love, kick ass.